have a very special family member with us. If you've not had the privilege of hearing from Pastor Sonny Kanatzer, Pastor Sonny and Pastor Jeff grew up together spiritually in Pastor Sonny's father's church over in Dallas, and they've been ministering together all this time in advancing the kingdom of God. I know you're going to be blessed this morning, so would you help me give a turning point welcome to Pastor Sonny Kanatzer. Thank you. Thank you again, man. Well, the reason I got this chair out, I had the pulpit uh, up here in the first service, and I asked Brandon, I said, can I, Brandon, I said, how far can I walk uh, down here? I, I kind of like to kind of be engaged and look people in the eye, and uh, sometimes I even like to walk up the aisles, but uh, you can't do that. We've got people that are watching online. We're grateful that you're watching online today. Isn't this a beautiful set? I love this right here. This looks really good online, and uh, but I thought, well, I'm going to remove the podium, and I'm just going to sit in this chair, and we're just going to have another little conversation today, because I want you to get this message. This message is in me. I left my notes over there on the chair. I don't think I'm going to need them, because I've gotten this word deep in my heart, and I want to share it with you. I think it's important. I believe this is an important message, an important word uh, for you today. Now, I'll tell you how I received this word. It was, about, it was three years ago in November that I was with a pastor friend of mine, Jackie White, down in Lubbock, Texas. And he shared this word with me, and I wrote it in my Bible. And ooh, I've been meditating for three years every morning. Throughout the day, I take this word, and I'm just chewing on it. And it's gotten deep. It, it was like the written word. I wrote it. But now it's become a rhema word, off the pages and into my life. And for a long time, I wanted to share it with other people, but it just seemed like the Lord said, no, that was for you. Until recently, I shared it in a men's group, and uh, I just really got a release. And I even called Pastor Jackie, and I said, Pastor Jackie, I, I got that word you shared with me. I, something's stirring in me to share that with the body of Christ. He said, you don't have to give me credit. Don't give me credit for that. Uh, but I said, I, I just want to because it was something that was in your heart. You shared it with me, and I want to share it with people and as many people as I can because I think it's an important word, especially for the day and hour we're living in right now. Some of you came in to this service discouraged. Some of you came in a little weary. Some of you are watching, and you're discouraged, and you're weary deep down in your soul. You're hurting today. And the Lord knows that. Uh, I'm telling you, we've all been hurting over the past couple of years. The strange things we've gone through. Uh, the political unrest, the pandemic, uh, just the personal things that are going on in our life. Our children ha have become distressed. There have been children uh, that have committed suicide, that I've heard of in the past couple of years, adults. And it just, it breaks my heart because I realize people are discouraged in their soul and they don't know Jesus. Oh, they've heard about Jesus. They've heard some not so true things about Jesus. And it's time we get the message out. That Jesus loves me, this I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. We need to get that message out. Make it loud and clear. But I want to share with you, and I'm going to give you four things here in just a moment. It's going to help bring healing to your soul and keep your soul healthy. What is our soul? Our soul is when God created Adam, and we'll read about this in just a moment. It says he created this lump of clay. Then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul or a living personality. It's the part of us that's going to live forever. And that part of us that's going to live forever, sometimes we don't pay enough attention to it. Now, we're really concerned on the world we're living in about our bodies. A lot of us are doing everything to try to stay healthy as we can. Within three-mile radius of my home where I live, there are five health clubs, large ones, two just opened up. And people are coming in and out all the time. People trying to take care of their bodies, trying to eat right, and you know they're doing trying to do right. And I do the same. I, I, I try to work out. I try to lift weights. I try to because I want to stay physically healthy. But if I'm not taking care of my soul, taking care of my body means nothing because the body's going to die and be laid to rest. Pastor friend of mine who. Loved to work out with weights, and he would always come and say, look at, those, look at those muscles. He said, I can barely do that right now. My shirt's going to break. It's about to tear. And he began to have some heart issues. And he went to the doctor, and he said, well, doc, you're going to look at me, man. I'll work out. He said, well, that'll be real nice. People will walk by your casket and say, man, wasn't he strong? <laughs> They're going to look at your body and see how strong you were. You better take care of your heart muscle. But I'm saying today we need to take care of our soul. I begin in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open up your Bibles. And uh, I'm really encouraging people that if you've gone just to a digital Bible, I'm grateful that you can do that. But I do encourage you to take your Bible off the shelf, this paper Bible you don't have one, get you one, uh, and start really devouring the Word of God. Take notes. If you saw this Bible, it's color-coded. I've got notes all over this Bible. I love to have my Bible that I can open up and read. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, this is where I'm coming. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know, I know the devil would like to take all of us out physically. And how many of you known somebody that has died because of COVID or with COVID? How many of you know somebody? Look around you. Look at this room. I've been amazed at some of those that I've known personally 
that have gone to be with the Lord in the last two years. Some of what I call generals in the faith, pastors that were young and doing well in their church life and their seemed like their spiritual life and for some reason God took them and it and I began to question, oh, what is going on here? And I began to get a little discouraged in my soul. A little weary about all of this. Just had a funeral this week of one of our pastors who died with COVID. And we had a great homegoing celebration. Now, he was 85 years old, still pastoring, still preaching three times on Sunday. But he went to be with the Lord. And it discouraged me when I heard of him, Ricky, Pastor Ricky Tejada, Covenant Church, and others that have gone to be with the Lord. A little discouraging. And it seems to me, as I was just thinking about it, it seems like there's been like a little mini rapture. I don't know why God is doing it, but he's taking some generals in the faith to heaven. Maybe he's just getting ready to come with them one day soon. Take us all to live with him forever and ever. But I'm trusting him. Of course, he knows what he's doing. And the devil's not in charge. Jesus is in charge. But here's what I'm praying, and I've been praying for you. I've been praying for the body of Christ, and it's a familiar scripture. You've heard it many times. Third John, verse 2. Third John's just one chapter. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. This is saying that your prosperity and your physical health is connected to the health of your soul. And your soul is that which is going to live forever. So that tells me we're spending probably billions of dollars on our physical health. We need to start paying attention to our soulish, the health of our soul in our inner man. Now, I'm going to give you four ways that you can have a healthy soul. And I pray that you'll take this to heart. I pray the Holy Spirit will drop the. I've been on this for three years. I've been meditating on this. I mean, it's been in me. I mean, every day there's a portion of what I'm going to share with you. I've been using for every day for three years since I've heard this word. And it comes from Genesis chapter 2. If you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can come and quicken this to your heart. I'm going to bring you the word, but the Holy Spirit is the anointing. He's the one that explains to us the things of God, things we don't understand. And I need him desperately. And I'm believing, and I prayed for you, and I asked him, even this morning, Lord, would you just open up the hearts and the minds of the people, and just open up their soul to your word. And let this word get in them like it's gotten in me. My mind's been transformed from this word. And, and, and my emotions have been more settled since I got a hold of this word. And my will has been submitted to the will of God. 
And so we go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's pray before we read this. Father, I need you right now. Holy Spirit, I know you're here in this place. We've experienced your presence through worship. Lord, I sense you're here. And Lord, I believe you're ready to open up the word of God to everyone that's in this room, to everyone that's viewing online. Lord, I believe that you have a word for all of us. And it's a way that we can be healthy in our soul, Lord. And so, Lord, I ask you to reveal this word to each and every one of us, afresh and anew, in Jesus' name, amen. The story of Genesis chapter 2 is the story of creation. When God is creating the heavens and the earth, and it's before Genesis chapter 3, pretty deep, isn't it? 2 comes before 3. If you know about Genesis chapter 3, it's when the serpent showed up in the garden that we're going to talk about and deceived Adam and Eve, and they fell into sin. But before that, God instructed the man he had created about some things that was going to help him have a healthy soul as he faced the world that God had created him to live in. And we see God after he created everything in six days. It says in verse 2, And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he what rested from all of his work which he had done and which he had made. Now, do you think God rested because he was tired? No, God doesn't get tired like we do. And he was instructing, and as he was going to instruct Adam, that he was to take one day out of the seven days, take one of those days to rest. And I don't believe Adam got tired like we get physically tired now. I don't know what he was like, but I believe the work he was doing before the fall was an energizing work. It energized him. As he was taking care of that garden, tending it. But I believe that uh, God said, this is going to be good for your soul. That you take a day to, what did God do? He took a day just to step back from everything he created. Look at all of it. Ooh, he said, ooh, this is good. This is good. This is very good. And he just acknowledged everything that was good about what he had just created. And I believe that's what the Sabbath is all about. It's we take, now we take a day, and you know, in the Old Testament, it was on Saturday, that was the Sabbath, and the Jewish people worship on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. After the resurrection of Jesus, on the first day of the week, the church met together, and that's the day they began to worship, that's the day we've chosen to gather here. Well, there's more to the Sabbath than just that. But this is the day we've gathered as the people of God, and we've come here, and we've honored God, we've worshiped Him, and we've just taken a step back and said, God, we just want to rest in you today. We want to worship you. We want to learn from you. That's what the Sabbath rest is all about. But the Sabbath rest is more than just the day of the week. Jesus has become our Sabbath rest. When Jesus came, he became our Sabbath. 
He said, come to me, Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because I'm gentle and holy of heart. And he said, when you come and you find rest in me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And not only do I have a day of the week that I come with the people of God and find this rest, but I find his Sabbath rest every day. Every day when I wake up, the first thing I do, I go into my office and I spend some time with Jesus. Every day I declare, Lord, I'm coming to rest in you. I've had some physical rest that I needed, but now I need some rest in my soul. What is it you want to say to me today? And I find rest in me. It's like we've been carrying a heavy load. Every day I believe we've been carrying a heavy load, especially over the past two years. It's been a heavy load. All the politics, all the pandemic, it's been heavy on us. And it's weighted us down. And I'm telling you, I just need you to come and say, Ooh, I need to take a load off my feet, off my mind. My emotions have been stirred up a lot in the past two years. I've been a little agitated inside a little bit. And every day I just need to say, Lord, I just want to find some rest in you. I'm coming to you. I'm weary, heavy laden. But I'm going to find some rest here today in you. And I pray. I read my word. I pray for others. And I just find rest. And I'm ready for the day. So the first thing you need to have a healthy soul, you need rest. Some of you need that desperately. If that's all I said today, that'd be good enough for you. Because you need to find your Sabbath rest in Him. And if you've never met Jesus, you don't know what the Sabbath rest is like. You don't know what resting in Him is like. I can't imagine what it would be like living in this world without Jesus. I mean the real Jesus. The one that loves me, cares for me, and wants me to find rest in Him. That wants to give me an easy yoke and a light burden. I can't imagine. And if you're living without knowing him, oh, I pray today will be the day. You'll just say, Lord, I surrender to you. I got to take a load off my mind. A load off of this agitated spirit that I have. I want to find my rest in you. We need that rest. Amen? Number two, we see in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. He put Adam in that garden. He said, Adam, look at this beautiful garden. Look at all these trees. Look at all this vegetation. Look at all of this. I want you to tend and keep it. You know what God's plan was for Adam? He was to take, his plan was to take what's in the garden and take it to the rest of the earth that God had created. There was a river in the garden. It had four river heads that went out to the rest of the world. And God's plan was for Adam to take what was here in the garden, take it to the rest of the world. And for all the world to be a garden of Eden, that was God's ultimate plan. That was chapter 2. Then comes chapter 3 when the serpent showed up. 
But work to Adam was not a four-letter word. I think it was something he enjoyed. I believe he enjoyed. I got a friend, pastor friend, John Miller, who has dealt with a little anxiety in his life. And he's admitted it publicly that he said just anxiety where he couldn't even hardly stand up to preach. And he just got overwhelmed by news in the world and just about personal issues going on in his life. And he's found a place to rest. And that's in his garden. He's got a beautiful garden. He's got, if you go to his home, you'll see he's created uh, rock pathways and fountains. And he's actually got garden that he goes and he works in daily. And he's found a, a place of, number two, is responsibility. He's found some responsibility. God's given him some responsibility to take care of the land that he has and this little garden he has. And God has given all of us, and he wants us to understand that he wants us, it's good for us so to have responsibility. I have responsibility for myself that I grow daily in the grace and the knowledge of his will for my life. I have a responsibility for my family to pray for my family, pray for my wife and pray for my friends and pray for the church and pray for pastors. It's a responsibility God has given me. I have a responsibility as part of the body of Christ to use the gifts God has given me in the body of Christ. I have a responsibility according to God's word to take the gospel into all the world and to preach the gospel. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. And responsibility is good. You that are working on your job, that's good for you. To have a job, to work. And what the enemy has done in the past couple of years, one of the things he's done, he's, he's told people that you don't need to work. Now, let's just rely on somebody else to get you what you need. You don't need to work. Let me just stay at home. And we kind of got, some people kind of got used to that. We'll just let the government take care of us. I'll rest in the government. But that's not good for your soul. Staying at home, being locked up, being by it's not it's not good for you. And so work is good. Working, laboring with their hands is a good thing because it's responsibility. And to have a healthy soul, we need to accept our responsibility. And every day I get up and say, Lord, I know I've got some responsibility today. I've got an assignment. What is it? I try to listen to him so I can fulfill my responsibility because it's good for my soul. And the third thing, and I like this one. Well, I like them all, but this one. The Lord God commanded, and this is verse 16 of chapter 2. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall die. Do you understand that Adam was going to live forever? There was a tree of life, and he would just take of the tree of life and just continue to live forever and ever and ever. And God said, now, but if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. You're going to physically die. You're going to spiritually die. It's going to harm your soul. So what did he say? He said, restraint, Adam, is good for your soul. We think restraint's bad, but restraint is good. This is before the fall. God said, Adam, I need you to restrain yourself. 
I need you to say no to that tree right there. Just say no. And it was good for mankind to say no to something. And guess what? It's good for us to have restraints in our life. There's something we say no to. It's healthy for our soul. I don't know what it is you need to say no to. There's tests, there's trials that come your way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation or test or trial come your way. That's not common to all of us, but God's faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to escape. But if you just give yourself, he'll give you a way of escape. He'll give you the ability to say what? No. The Holy Spirit has been put in our life. So he can help us say what? No. I don't know what it is you need to say no to. What temptation you face. I know the things that I face that I must say no to. If I don't, it harms my soul, my inner man. And I just take a moment and ask some folks and just shout it out. What are some things you need to say no to? What is it? Somebody tell me. Food? Does somebody say food? That's a big one, isn't it? Something set before you and, ooh, it looks so good. But you just need to say, no, not going to do it. Not going to overdo it. I went out and celebrated a birthday with some of our friends the other day. One of our friends was having a birthday. And we went to a restaurant and we ate. I was happy. I was satisfied. I felt good. Ate a half a sandwich and a salad. (sighs) I felt good. I looked over at two ladies sitting at the table next to me. And they ordered a triple Dessert. Three little desserts. I looked. I looked again. I looked. I turned back. Something inside of me says, say no. But I turned. I have friends there. So I turned to everybody. I said, do we need one of those triple desserts? Somebody spoke up and says, no, I think we need two of them. Well, they brought us two of them. Strawberry and a chocolate and something else. They said, everybody just take one. We'll just eat one of them. And we took one. And I ate it. I ate the whole thing. I knew it was not going to be good for my soul or my body. And I left the restaurant that going, oh, man, why did I do that? It was something I should probably have said, no, not today. Foods, that's a big one, isn't it? It's healthy for your soul, not just for your body to say, so food, what's something else? Shopping? Ooh, watch out now. And they've made it so easy to shop. We don't even have to go to the store anymore. Just punch a few buttons and you can buy whatever you want. And sometimes I'll be looking through and says, man, I need, I need, I didn't know I needed that. But I need that right there. I said, Susan, look, I need that right there. Sometimes I don't even tell her. I just, and it just comes right to the front door. Sometimes when you're looking at that stuff, and sometimes you need to say, what? No, not going to do that. Not in my budget. Not good for my soul. Not good for my pocketbook. All right, shopping, food. What else? Certain relationships. You know, sometimes you need to say no to certain people that influence you the wrong way. 
They're not good for you. They're not good for your soul. They're kind of leading you astray. Listen to me. If you're on social media, which probably most of you are, man, we've got to be careful because there are influencers out there trying to influence us to think like they think. And the thing is about social media, they know how to get your goat, as they say, to poke you in the right way. I saw a man on social media the other day. He was driving through Starbucks. And he said, you know what? I found out that I can get on the Internet and whatever I want, whatever I lean toward, however I feel about something, is I can find all kinds of things, reasons why that's the right thing to feel. He said, I bet you I can Google right now how, why caffeine is so bad for you. And he Googled it, how caffeine is bad for you. Don't drink caffeine. Stay away from it. He said, I bet you I can Google how good caffeine is for you. He Googled, how good is caffeine for you? And they had all these articles about how good caffeine is for you and how you need to drink a lot of caffeine. He said, this world, there are people, they're out to kind of control us. Who does that sound like? It sounds like the devil, doesn't it? There are certain people, you got to say, what? No, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to get that close to you. What is something else? There are people, there's food, there's shopping. Road rage, anger. You know, anger is really not your issue. You can be angry and not sin. Anger can lead you to make things change in the world we live in. It's okay to get angry if it leads you to change. Jesus got angry, but he never sinned. And I know you've heard me share this with you, but I'll share it again. There's two ways. It's how you respond to anger. Someone angers you or something angers you, a driver angers you, and some of you explode, and everybody knows you're angry. And matter of fact, sometimes they can count it down. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Here they go, here they go, and boom, you explode, and everybody's running. And after you get through exploding, you go, whoo, I feel better now. I got that off my chest. And everybody around you has got shrapnel in them. But you walk away feeling good. And you say, oh, it's not good to keep things on your chest. You just let them out. And you feel good about it. But it's not healthy for your soul. You need to learn to respond out of your spirit, not respond to your flesh. Road rage is the same way. You see people that just go crazy in that. But there's another thing about anger. Some of you are not exploders, you're imploders. You're angry and nobody knows it. You hide your anger. You don't want to be an exploder. So you implode on the inside. You know what happens to you? You get sick physically, emotionally. You really do. It happens. Some of the physical issues you have is because you just imploded on yourself. You have a pain. Your mind is going crazy. Your brain's not working right. Why? Because you've just imploded. You haven't learned to allow the Holy Spirit to control your emotions. I'll just throw that out for free. There's so many things we could talk about that we just need to restrain. It's healthy for ourselves to get rest, to have responsibilities, 
and to have restraint in our lives. That's probably the one I've used the most out of all of these. Uh, for three years, something's come up during the day, and I can hear the Holy Spirit say, nope, just say no to that. Just say no to that unforgiveness. Say no to that. It's not going to be good for yourself. And sometimes I win, and sometimes I lose. Sometimes I give in, and I say yes. And it takes me a while to recover, repent, say I'm sorry. And I've learned that with my wife over the years. We've been married 45 this year, 45 years this year, 45 years in December. And she taught, one of the lessons she taught me, and this was between me and her, Learn to choose your battles. Because there had been some words, you know, we've had some, what would we call it? Heated fellowship. <laughs> and she'd say, you sure that's the battle you want to fight right now? And sometimes I would say, matter of fact, it is. <laughs> I usually didn't win, but I, and so I learned to think before I spoke. Pause, ponder, then speak. Is that the battle I want to fight? That's not, that's not, that's a little battle. How to put dishes in the dishwasher. That's, that's not a battle I really want to fight. I'll wait till it's something really worthwhile. But we just got to learn to restrain ourselves, don't we? And the last thing, and we read this in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And you created all the animals and Adam got the privilege of naming all the animals. But there wasn't someone comparable to him. He said, this isn't good. What does that tell me? God says, for your soul to be healthy, Adam, you need relationships. You need someone comparable to you, somebody that will help you do what I've called you to do. And out of his rib, he created, he built Eve, and the two became one flesh. That just tells me we need relationships. Some of you are married. You need that relationship between a husband and a wife. Some of you are single. The Bible says he puts the solitary into families, the psalmist said. Some of you are single. You may not be married, but he's put you into this church family because he knew you needed relationships. Two are better than one. The writer of Ecclesiastes Solomon, the wisest man on earth, said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. If one falls down, there's someone there to lift him up. If people come against him, two can withstand them. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Jesus knew that when he called the 12 to be with him. He needed relationships. Jesus, he needed this men to be with him. And they came and were with him. Then one day, he sent them out. How did he send them out? Two by two. Because they knew they were going into hostile territory. And they were going to fight a battle. And they couldn't do it alone. They needed others to fight with them. We need each other. 
We need relationship. And one of the plans of the enemy during these past two years, during the pandemic, was to separate us from people. Stay in your home. Don't get out. Sounded good. But it wasn't good for our soul. We hid away. Proverbs 18.1. When a man isolates himself, it's not good. Because he begins to resist all sound judgment then. What's this done to our children? They're just finding out. The damage it's done to our children. Having to stay at home and do school the best they can at home. Not be interacting with other children. It's damaged some of our children. I've heard of children, it breaks my heart, that have committed suicide during these two years. Why? It damaged their soul. Because we're made to be social creatures. We need each other. That's why church is so important. I'm grateful that we can watch church online. Grateful for you that are watching online. I really am. But it's not the same as being here in the atmosphere of others. Let me say, you know what? One of the reasons I got vaccinated, I'm not, it's not a political statement here. One of the reasons I got vaccinated because I wanted to be around people again without them being afraid of me. Say, wait, oh, six feet. Did you get your shot? Fully vaccinated. I'll wear a mask because I just want to be around people. I missed shaking hands, high-fiving. I missed hugs. I got some hugs this morning. I'm vaccinated. (laughs) Because my soul needs that. I don't know if some of you saw this, and I didn't give this to the people that could put it up on the screen, but there were nurses who were treating COVID patients. And there were so many, some were dying, and some were just full of anxiety because they had a tube down their throat, some were in a coma, and the nurses couldn't be around them, they had to tend to others. One nurse had an idea. She took one of those medical gloves, she filled it with warm water, and it puffed up full of warm warm water. And they tied it around the wrist of the person who was in that coma or that breathing tube down their throat and laid it on top of their hand. And they referred to it as the hand of God. And they would leave them alone, but yet that person thought somebody was right there. Why? Because they needed that attention, that touch. Because her soul was slowly dying in that bed. And I'm grateful. I need the hand of God upon my life. There's no doubt. And I have a relationship with Him. His hand's on my life. But I also need the hand of others. Of people. Living people. Touching me also. I need that. You need that. Because it's healthy for our soul. I want you to take this word and I, I want you to write it down wherever you need to write it down when you get home. But I want you to begin just to, Lord, put this in my spirit and let this become a, 
Just not something that's on the pages of a book, but something that becomes a rhema word to you. And you can share it with someone else. Because people are dying today because of an unhealthy soul. Their body may be dying, but I believe more when a, when a spirit is quickened by the Holy Spirit, man, a soul can come alive. And it can do her a lot physically if the soul is healthy. And so I want to pray for you that you'll have a healthy soul. Deep down on inside of you, you'll find rest in him. You'll find the responsibility God has for you. You'll find the restraint where you can have the ability to say no. And you can find the relationships you need. Somebody in this room and somebody watching us, you need a relationship with Jesus. You need his touch, and he's willing to touch you today. He touched the leper. He touched the blind man. He touched the untouchable. That's just the kind of man he was, kind of Savior he is. And he wants to touch you today. Father, I come to pray for those in this room right now that have never received a touch from you. Lord, or maybe they've been away from you. And, Lord, they need a fresh touch of your hand upon their life. Lord, they seem to be dying on the inside. Their soul is just not healthy. Their mind is just roaming to and fro. and Their wills are not surrendered to you as they need to be. Their emotions are back and forth, up and down. Lord, let this be a day they receive a fresh touch from you. Before we leave today, I'm going to ask the prayer team. I know there's some prayer warriors that are part of this congregation. I'm going to ask you to come and stand in this altar. And if you need prayer, you need a fresh touch from Jesus. You just come and let one of these prayer warriors know that. They'll pray for you. Need be, they'll lay hands on you. And I believe something inside of you will get stirred up afresh and anew. There'll be a fresh impartation of His Spirit. If you're watching online, I just pray that right now that you will just reach out to Him, lift up your hand, and just say, Jesus, touch me. He'll touch you right where you are, right there in your home, in your living room, in your bed, wherever you may be, in the hospital. He'll touch you right now. I don't know about you. Everybody look at me. You know what? I need a fresh touch from him. Would you stand with me? Let's just stand together. Would you just say, just lift up your hands if you're willing to, and just say, Jesus, would you touch me? Would you touch my soul? Touch my mind, my will, and it be surrendered to you. My emotions that will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Heal my soul, Lord. And I declare that I'm going to prosper. I'm going to be in health as my soul prospers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap. Would you do that? Where's Brandon? Come on up, Brandon.